Hello. Hey, Merlin, how are you? Mm, pretty good. Pretty good. Every time I record, it's a new adventure in fixing levels. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, look at that. All right. Hello. Hello. Oh, this is very unprofessional. Say something, please. Uh, hello. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Ooh. All right. Thanks. Hang on. Check, check. Oh, I see. I got to... I gotta uh, do more more pre less PC. Do you change stuff in between times? That's a that's a good but very leading question. Do I change things? Yeah, I, I do not. The only thing that I touch is uh, the media. So if uh, you know what, no one cares. I don't change anything. It's the world that changes, Dan. I don't know. Do why you have you... a dedicated recording system, or is it the same machine that you use? What for in the else? hell does that mean? What, well, what, what I would recommend mean? to you and to other oh. podcasters is I would get a machine computer that is <laughs> in the parlance of our times. Uh -huh. That is dedicated exclusively for the purpose of recording. For example, an inexpensive Mac Mini or similar. And then uh -huh. I would have the preamps, microphones, headphones, everything set up just to that machine. Uh -huh. And that machine can then be isolated and left alone so that the only thing that it ever does is you go and you sit in front of it, you put your headphones on, pull the mic over, hit record. You, every time it's the same. It's consistent. It can be locked down. You can use lock your lock tight. You can use your, your crazy glue, whatever you want to do. Lock all the settings. Mm. And, uh, you know, when it comes to zoning ordinances, I have a few thoughts. Well, I don't know a lot about zoning, uh, but I did a similar thing uh, where I got sick of dealing with the different heights of everyone I know. So I got a second office. That works. And like, or if, if your car runs out of gas, you just push it off to the side of the road and get a new one. No, I don't think you're getting the analogy. Um, no, no, it would be like, uh, what I'm trying to say is I don't control the height of other people. Mm -hmm. And I don't, the thing that changes from one thing to another, I, I record on a fairly regular basis for podcasts and I have to change the levels every time. So it could be that one person there is being the outlier. See, you were, you were loud just now, but I like that. Mm. Sometimes I can't hear Alexandra at all. So and what I do is I, gotta, I have a Mac mini that uh, it's uh -huh. an old one and mm. it just sits there and that's all it does. I have the preamp connected to it and that's it. So when I, when it, but the downside but, but, is when people text me and they're like, let's record and they do it on Skype. I don't see that. That's in the other computer. I don't even um, see it. You just did a very dad thing, which is you gave me advice. That's not only on a thing I don't need advice on, but you gave me bad advice for the thing you think it's not, it's not, the setup is not the problem. The setup is that other people's volume changes and I can't force everybody to be the same volume. Well, if Maybe, they also had a Mac mini that was dedicated and, and dialed I in, then it would be the see. same every time. That's why I'm not telling you, I'm telling the audience. No, I'm you're telling, telling everyone. the audience. Yes. Yes. I, if I got everybody I know the same Mac mini right. and platform shoes, I wouldn't need a second office. That's right. Let alone, what was the word you made up? Canoodling? I don't know. It's nice to be here. It's uh, it's Tuesday, uh, January 11th. It's the optimistic day. And uh, uh, what do I have to share with you today? Hey, yeah, so that's cool. You were going to say something about zo oh, zodling. You were going to tell me about zodling. I don't know what that um, means. Well, you, you misspoke and I'm making fun of you. When did I misspeak? Okay, listen. If you want to do this act with me, I will do it. I will. Do, you just need to know what you're in for, though. Get ready because we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a Raymond off. I do not understand. I, you said you have thoughts on zoning. Yes. Okay. Um, I was quoting your friend Colin Robinson from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, Jesus Christ. I love that guy. Ah, uh, library's open.
Remember that Isn't episode that where they delight. have to go to the the thing and he brings the microphone down the so slowly? The second episode, the second or third episode, <laughs> so but also so when Nandor starts speaking. <laughs> and what's his uh, what his his secret weapon? Doug, what's his name? The guy on the city council, Doug, somebody. Oh, and then and then he's he has to go. Uh, then um, Laszlo goes and visits. Oh, this volume is killing me. Um, then Laszlo goes and visits the lady. Um, who's Kathy Geis on 30 Rock? Remember the with the raccoons? I haven't seen 30 Rock, but I know I know that the, with the raccoon scene is amazing. That actress is wonderful, and you're never well. It's funny to have seen her. I to, to me, she is she equals equals Kathy Geis in my head. Um, That's which the, is, the 30 Rock character. Yeah, Kathy okay. Geis is the the adult daughter of um, Don Geis, who runs NBC, played by the great Rip Torn. And, um, oh, he was great. He passed away not that long ago, didn't he? Yeah, he did. What did I see? Oh, you know what? You know what I was watching the other night? God, it's so good. It's such a, uh, uh Defending Your Life. Yeah, so, Brooks. yeah, Albert Brooks is such a great, I was hoping you were going to say that movie. It holds oh up God. so well. It's so good. I was, uh, it's really impressed. Movie. It's funny. I was just listened to a second ago, I was just listened to Blank Check, and they were talking about, uh, a quote from Adam McKay. Adam, I, I see. The problem is, I keep thinking it's Ian Mackay uh, from Minor Threat. So I'm going to say Adam Mackay from Minor Threat <laughs> said um, he's not the first. You know, hope he's not the last. Uh, you know. Anyway, um, he was saying that uh, when people are like, "Oh, why don't you make more of your funny movies, like this movie and that movie from your funny movies, and you know, have Seth Rogen be in your movie?" and and he said, "Well, the thing to understand about that time was that was when the I think it's called the Avid." Um, editing video editing uh, software. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I remember that. And hardware were first really catching on with people. Yes, and it, it allowed you to do things with timing that used to be, would have been very, very difficult to do in a different time. And you could really edit every bit within an inch of its life. Mm-hmm. And saying, and but like, so you know, we, we we've talked for thirty, forty years now about the uh, MTV era and how young people want all these fast cuts, and that's probably really true. But one of the reasons you, they they get fast cuts. Or maybe one fast cuts is it's way easier than it used to be. Like if you watch a lot of movies, Jesus Christ, watch Mary Poppins. Uh, to quote the great Professor Mac Miller, there's no need for that film to ever end. It might as well just go on forever. <laughs> Nothing happens in that movie. And I keep thinking, I thought I, lo- I loved this uh, eight track when I was a kid, you know, tuppence a day, you know. Uh-huh. And, and, but it's so goddamn boring. And you watch movies from before even the 80s. And I think to, I'll say maybe even for me, but especially for my kid, it's just, it feels glacial. And so I'm, I was, you know, I just bring that up because I just heard that, but it makes me very aware of a movie that can take its time with the bits and uh, not bits, but you know, the, the way Albert Brooks, I think it's also unusual for a director starring in his own film to like get his character quite so well mm. for. Just the way the, the, I'm trying to remember some of the great lines, but they're in a very like uh, Woody Allen, like an early Woody Allen kind of way. Oh, yeah. I think he's really good at understanding his character. And yeah, it's delightful. Did you, um, uh, on that note, so you know his brother is Bob, Bob Einstein, aka Super Dave, right? That's yes. His brother. Yes. Yes. There's, I don't know if you've seen it yet, uh, but I'll tell our listeners uh, there's a documentary about. A very loving documentary of Super Dave on HBO right now. And, uh, of course, Albert Brooks is in it. And it talks about their childhood. 
and uh, and all kinds of stuff. But man, if you're like me and you're a weirdo who grew up with Super Dave, I mean, I first saw Super Dave on Bizarre, which was a, this weird Canadian show with John Biner on Showtime in the early 80s. And Super Dave was on there. But if you enjoy Bob Einstein, who you, what do you know him from? You might know him, <laughs> obviously, as Marty Funkhauser on uh, Curb. You know, he's, he's in terrific... one of those actors who's been in so many things. Yeah, he kind of talks like this. Lady. Yeah, yeah. And, and he looks and like freakishly old, but he's actually not that old, really. Well, he's, I think, I think he's had some weird work done. I'm not a giant fan of comedians getting coffee but with cars, but uh, that his episode of that with Seinfeld. But he passed, is... oh, he passed away. I didn't know he passed away too. Yeah, yeah. Super Dave. Wait, what is that noise? I hear it. It sounds like an air conditioner. Is it a leaf blower? Maybe I got an air conditioner and just didn't know it. Huh. Um, that's delightful. But the point of me saying that was about, you know, because like he and of course they interviewed Steve Martin because he and Steve Martin were writers for the Smothers Brothers in the mid to late 60s. Um, anyway, if you enjoy Super Dave and Super Dave, I, I mean, so many wonderful appearances on Letterman, you know, in the 80s and 90s. But he's so, he's so deadpan. Um just so so deadpan, so committed to the character. The 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 his Super Dave character is really stupid. It's a very very dumb bit, which is that he is this evil Knievel type. Right. Yes. There was a time when evil Knievel was everywhere when I was a kid. I had an I had an evil Knievel toy where you wind up his motorcycle and then he crashes. And I'd written uh, evil Knievel on the side of my big wheel and it included two misspellings. Because I didn't know how to spell Evil Knievel. No one did. Was it five. was E V I L. You know, I loved Evil Knievel when E-V-E-L. I was a kid. E V E L. Yeah, but we we used to write it with the I because it sounded like Evil. Of course, you did. Yeah, yeah, like the Black Sabbath album, Live Evil. Right. And um, well, that's just gonna keep doing that noise, isn't it? Um, but uh, but but the bit was he's this daredevil, and like the 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 not that funny part is that of course it always ends catastrophically yes. with some kind of a very very dumb. <laughs> visual gag that's basically like he's basically like wily e. coyote and so it'll be a thing where like his head he's been beheaded and it's just his head sticking out of the ground but of course it's him buried and, and talking really really stupid the funny part is the way that he inhabits the character and he's so committed and, and like why would you why would there be like a daredevil named super dave i know that's that's such a funny bit anyway um i'll, I'll see if i can find it for notes uh i've got it on the hbo max uh, also, also Brady's bits. So a lot of people may not know that Bob Einstein and, uh, and, uh, 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 oh, I'm oh, sorry. I, was, I missed one other memorable role. He is the, God, what is the name? You know how Tilda Swinton's character in Moonrise Kingdom is called Social Services? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. The name of his character on Arrested Development, he's the guy with the camera in his hat who's the like, he he. So when when George Senior is on video, that that guy goes and talks to the family, and then he speaks as the father, as though he's there. That character as well, very funny. I'll find it for show notes. Oh yeah, so Brady's bits. Uh, Bob Einstein and um, uh, oh my God, what's the man's name? I'm already forgetting. What did I just say? Uh, Super Dave. What's the name of the man? Super Dave Osborne is played by. Oh my God! Oh, uh, you this just is said really Bob, bad. you just said Bob Einstein was his name. Bob Einstein, yes, and Albert Brooks. So they're brothers. It's just that, you know, it's tough to go around with the name Einstein. So that's why Albert Brooks got a stage name. But they're also, I think, uh, 
I, I have an acquaintance who is the nephew or the sub nephew or the cousin ish person of them. Uh, Sean Nelson from um, the Long Winners and uh, best known for Harvey Danger. Uh. They, they, they call they call him Uncle Bob. You know, my introduction to Super Dave <laughs> was maybe I'll say like eighty nine ninety time period on Letterman because he used to be on <sighs> Letterman so frequently. Yeah, yeah, and, and I didn't know. Lot. Like, I didn't there know are collections that. of those. I oh, just, really? Yeah, that well, was... you didn't. You didn't need to know. But he's one of those ones that's up there with Harvey Pekar and Charles Grodin in terms of like Charles well, Grodin was the best guest ever. With Harvey Pekar, with Harvey Pekar, I'm not sure if it was a bit or not. But the the stuff with Charles Grodin and Super Dave were so funny because so they would both play it so, so straight that they just. <laughs> They hated, at, they hated Dave. They hated Dave. And Dave, Dave would just say something, just kind of, you know, Super Dave would be telling a story or reading a letter from a fan or something. And, and Dave would say one of his usual, just, you know, kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a heck of a thing or whatever. And, and he would just stare at him, just, just mm-hmm, stare mm-hmm, him dead in the mm-hmm. eyes and not say anything. And this awkward pause ensues. Um, for notes, I will try to find uh, probably a Don Giller collection, the great Don Giller. Um, collect who collects all those Letterman videos. I'll find some Super Dave, Super Dave, and I'll find the HBO documentary. Dan, where would people find show notes for episode 562 of your Back to Work program, please? Oh, well, you know, thanks to you, it can be found mm-hmm. at backtowork.limo. Well, so nice that you credit me with that. Well, you came that. up with it and it's changed the whole game, it's changed everything. It's changed a lot of things for people. I think opening up the dot limo is changing lives. Um, and so where do they go? <laughs> back to work.limo slash uh whatever episode this is this is 562 exactly. 562 562 yeah yep 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 gotta do it gotta unlock one password um well since we got three things let me tell you about something i like nothing wants me to stay logged in and it drives me a little bit nuts um dan would you please tell me about something you like i would love to tell you about new relic i'm so glad to have these guys back uh as a sponsor of the we show. went there <clears throat> didn't we go there one time we have and i um I, my friend we were, lance used to work there that's I, right as memory serves yeah yes mm-hmm. and they're a great company this is one of those companies that they provide this service that i mean i feel like every developer software developer eventually realizes that they need um it's it's one of those things that's like ubiquitous in software development because they do such a good job at what they do. This is for web development, especially, but mobile applications as well. And New Relic, it's, they call it, and I think this is true. I'm not creating this, this is their thing, a developer's best friend. Oh dear, that's that's amazing. Isn't that nice? It's a, like, a, be, a, be, a best friend, how about that? Yeah, and it, basically what they do is they have this analytics dashboard that gives you code level visibility into real-time performance of your application. So that you can see things like the obvious use for it is let's find a bug, let's find a bottleneck, let's try and fix a problem. But I've used New Relic since the very beginning for every application that I build. And this is the amazing thing about it. It looks at every aspect of your application. So for example, there was one thing, one time in Fireside generating the RSS feeds and it was generating them and it was slower than I felt like it should be, but I couldn't exactly figure out what it was. Thanks to New Relic, I could actually look and see which part of the SQL queries were slow, which part was, it, it told me what code I needed to optimize. And I made the change and it made a huge difference. It's like, that's the kind of insight that, especially when you're on a small team or even a solo developer, you just, sometimes you're scratching your head over a problem. And you're like, I don't know why this is 
this is not working. I don't know where this problem is or what it's coming from. New Relic can give you all of that. And the amazing part of it is it's all in real time. It's not like you're waiting an hour or a day. The data starts pouring into it as people are using your application or as you're testing it. And you can see the results instantly. It's really, really great. And they have made so many improvements. They've recently changed the way they, they're doing billing. So it's even easier to understand. And, and in many cases, less expensive. And what they're giving to our listeners is... With, with the promo code back to work, you can get 30-day extended free pro-level trial. This is really, really awesome. They're only giving it to our listeners, and you're going to improve the performance of your applications. You're going to get the, that deeper insight. You're going to find those bottlenecks and more with New Relic. So go check it out. The URL to visit is New Relic, N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C, newrelic.com slash back to work. And when you're there, that promo code back to work gives you that 30-day extended free pro trial. That's the level to get. Love these guys. Thanks very much to New Relic for making this show possible. Thank you, New Relic. Buck, buck. Let's end highway profanity is a line that will be in your head after you watch uh, some Super Dave videos that I have posted. <laughs> uh, I can't find a, a full compilation, but I put a couple Letterman's in there. I put in the movie. Um, that, was, that was a good job. You did a good job with that. Thanks. Uh-huh. Let's see here. Where's my, where's my bell? Where did I put my bell? So it's easy when, the, like, a sponsor is a company that I've been using for, you know, more than a decade. It's uh, Oh, sing it, sister. It's so know, much easier. It's so much okay, easier. I don't even read the script. I don't care. Don't need to. Okay. Uh, build it beautiful. You can hear me opening this. What is that, this? some pretzels? Close. Lock-picking tools. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, and it leads me to, or this is kind of a bit, because I'm going to see if I can pick this live on the air. Um, this is this is what, uh, what what's called a low skill raking attack, and how do I know it's a low skill raking attack? Because I've told you before how much I enjoy. I must have told you this here. So uh, I'm I'm going in with the was it the forty one thousandths uh, for tension on the bottom. I'm taking my the, my raking tool, the comb, and this is the little one. Yeah, I'm gonna put the raking tool into this master lock, and I'm not very good yet. All I know is low skill attacks, and you can rakey rakey rake. And and then it opens because I've learned all this. Uh, these are actually tools I bought from the lock picking lawyer. This is the lock picking lawyer, and the lock picking lawyer is a channel that I really enjoy on YouTube. Have I talked to you before about the lock picking lawyer? I think I probably have. Uh, you did, and I love his stuff. And on his latest video that I just saw, it, it looks like he picks some new improved lock in like a, like half a second. He um, just like shoves uh, it, click, and it's open. It's gone. Well, it's let's see. Have you been working on this? Are you working on a skill? New oh, no, skill? this is what I do at night. This is what I do at night now. I know. I, I really just just want to get good at low skill raking attacks. I don't want to become too good at picking locks because, I mean, you know, be careful what you ask to be good at. You know what I'm saying? I feel like if you're and, too good you at it, picking you locks, that was it. You you kind of yeah. have a target on your back. <sighs> yeah, that's how it works. Um, uh, so yeah, I just opened a master lock uh, with a low skill raking attack. Now, some some things to know about this channel because uh, in order to well, how can I put this? This is one of my really weird ones where this is not going to, the thing that I recommend is not going to be for everybody, but boy, is it ever going to be for somebody. And really, isn't that why we have podcasts? If, if everything appealed to everybody, it would be, you know, happy days. I don't know. Nothing against happy days. Big fan of Gary Marshall, RIP to a real one. Uh, Lockpicking Lawyer. So this is a series, The Lockpicking Lawyer, and and this is what I have for you today. And he he has a lock. Uh, so the one you're talking about, let's see, I watched so many of these last night because I was catching up. Um, 
And, uh, oh, you know what? It might be the one with the, is it Arbus or whatever the company is? But it's crazy. In some ways, I have to say, I most enjoy the ones where, I mean, he very, okay, so Lock Picking Lawyer is literally a lawyer who's also really good at picking locks. He's an obsessive. He's obviously been doing this for years. He makes it look easy when it's not. But it's almost it's almost hard to appreciate how quickly he picks a difficult lock because he picks every lock pretty quickly, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. But it's also there's something I don't want to just say comforting about it, but it's a it's very formulaic in the best possible way. Um, where like he comes in, he introduces you know here's what I'm going to show you, and like he doesn't try to do everything. Dan, I'm sorry. In passing, can I just say to the internet? You know, it. You can't if it's an, if it's everything. It's not a list. If it's everything, it's not curation. Right. So no, no. When you say th- when you begin a sentence with "you forgot," no, that person probably didn't forget. No, my my indie rock uh, playlist I made. I'll put it in notes, which is very good. It has seventeen songs on it. To my knowledge, there's probably more than seventeen songs put out by indie rock bands in the '90s. Especially if you also consider that stuff like uh, that wedding present song actually came out in the 80s. You don't need to know why I made this list or how I chose it, unless you want to know, I'd be happy to share. But what, it, what, what I can very much say, I've never begun a list saying this should have every song ever made, right? Like it particularly drives me crazy when I go in and, you know, Spotify, the secret weapon for Spotify is playlists. Just, it's so great to find other people's playlists. You can find somebody who's obsessive about the same things that you are. But it does, it does drive me a little bit crazy when somebody goes, hey, I made this Rockpile playlist. And they knew enough to know that Rockpile was the backing band for you know Dave Edmonds and Nick Lowe, as well as the ones, the Seconds of Pleasure album by Rockpile. They know enough to know that. But, they, the, but their idea of a playlist is, here's every song from every album by the people who've been in Rockpile. And that's not good. Hmm. That's I, I could do that. You know what I want is I want is curation. I want I want you to I want you to give me an experience. You know what I'm saying? I just want to say that in, in general that constraint can be very very good for us. Constraint is what to me keeps it kind of interesting. It doesn't mean you have to be a priss about it, but like you know you should there should be a reason. It's like the great Bob Seger says, you know uh, what's to leave in, what's to leave out. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what I love about the lockpicking lawyer. So like when he gets one of these dumb, a lot of these terrible devices, it'll be, so often it's a lock, like a padlock could be a, uh, usually a keyed lock. There's all kinds of different keyed locks. It could be for a boat trailer. It could be, a lot of them are vaults and gun safes and he's a gun enthusiast, but he's also a gun safety enthusiast. And so he'll just show you, like, this thing's ridiculous. Like, you know, so he'll show you, yeah, we could pick this lock in a second, but he'll also show you, oh, and by the way, if you just pop this thing right here, the lid comes right off. <laughs> that kind of thing. I lo- but I, did- Some of them are showing how, like, you don't, you never need to even deal with the lock. You just he'll deal saw, with this looked, other flaw yeah, in, in the box I don't box know if you saw whatever. that. There was one recently that was, this, 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 uh vault or whatever can be open three different ways it has a thumbprint scanner it has uh, a you know digital you know like a keypad input and it has a keyed lock and it has this the, the big safety function of this one is anytime you open it an alarm goes off just to like you know so if the person somebody opened it they wouldn't know that oh this is the big trick it's got this little you know not even the smoke detector level alarm in it but he also shows you how once you know about that he can open it 
any of those ways in about a second and can smack the thing and unplug the battery in less than a second. Mm-hmm. And he just <laughs> And then he'll say one of his many catchphrases is, let's do that one more time so you can see that it's not a fluke and he'll he'll do it again. But anyway, I why do I mention that amidst all that ranting is that, you know, he in the thing that I'm going to recommend to y'all, he kind of explains how he got to where he is with this process. But suffice to say that the the formula his, his he really believes in not wasting people's time, unlike me. And so he he really he tries to keep these videos very brisk. So you've seen a few of these, it sounds like. Yes, I have seen not all of them, but yeah, a handful. No, 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 no. no. But I mean, <clears> like, you it's know easy the stuff to get I'm down that about. rabbit hole too. Yeah, but when he says something like, there's a lock being a lawyer, here's what I have for you today, and then he gets it, he gets it open, then he does it again so you can see, quote, that it's not a fluke, and then he'll say, he'll put everything down and say, okay, folks. And <laughs> there's just this rhythm, and then at the end, he always says exactly the same thing about, if you'd like to see more videos like this, please subscribe, and as always, have a nice day. And um, there is something very comforting about it, and not least because it is a form of competence porn. There's something, uh, which is kind of a silly phrase, but you know it when you see it. Just watching somebody be good at something is really entertaining. So, you know, I guess recommendation A is lockpicking lawyer in order to get to recommendation B, which came up in my recommendations the other day and for once was pretty good. Um, so I put this in notes and this is him speaking. And he's, he's, you know, he very much wants to protect his own and his family's privacy. So, you know, he doesn't, he would prefer not to be photographed uh, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because boy, do locksmiths and the lock industry hate this guy. Um, And he talks about that in this. So this is at something called SaintCon, which I guess is a security conference, computer security. Um, And this is his keynote address, his uh, 53-minute keynote address at this. And I thought this was really amusing. Um, it's always fun to me to like when people do a talk and it's somebody where I'm really familiar with their on main work. I, f- I really enjoy getting to hear them not be on main. Like you realize he has like a really stupid kind of giddy, like Nick Offerman laugh. He, he sounds really dorky where he's so measured mm-hmm. in his videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm recommending this to everybody. I said on, on Twitter the other night, I think I might have found Syracuse's and my. Venn diagram because we both like we both like his channel, <laughs> right? But a topic that's come up on something like maybe three of the last five uh, reconcilable differences episodes is uh, security by obscurity. What it means, you know, we kind of argued a lot about what it means, but also like why it's kind of not a good idea. Mm. And that's what he goes into in this. He's at a computer conference, but talking about being a lock, a, a lock. Uh, they call it a. Uh, lock sport or lock picking sport, something like that. But a lock picking enthusiast who is, by the way, also a lawyer. He's a defense lawyer uh, in, I guess, uh, I don't know if it's criminal or civil cases. Anyhow, but he makes the case early on saying, look, you know, this is computer security, whatever, digital security, whatever you want to call it. Computer security and physical security have a lot in common. One of those big things in common for a long time was like, hey, security by obscurity is a bad idea. If you've ever seen a Yale, I think it's a Yale lock, that's a lock that was invented by a guy named Yale in the 1800s, who even at the time was saying like, hey, look, there's no way we're not going to keep a secret about this lock and have it work. And yet that's still like a guiding principle, according to the lockpicking lawyer Hmm. in this industry. And he says the irony is that improvements to security in the world of computers continues to way outpace the security that you get out in, in physical things. 
And he shows like a, you know, a shot of an aisle at Home Depot. And he's like, almost every one of the locks that you see here that you would be likely to buy at a place like this, they all have similar vulnerabilities. Like they're different brand names, different, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, Master Lock was the Coca-Cola of locks. Like Master Lock was like, well, if you want a good lock, get, you know, for your locker, get a good Master Lock. And then you see how this guy can take a little hook from one of his kits. I have one of his kits. Um, and you just hook it inside the second digit and pull up and the lock opens. So, you know, it's ironic that flaws that everybody in the industry has known about right. for decades or, or over a century continue to be out there in the wild. Um, you know, or so and this is all just even setting aside the hilarious part of like a lock on a door is really only as good as the frame that the door is mounted in. Right. But I guess I don't want to spoil it, but he said one thing in here that I I'd never thought of before, because this is a little out of my wheelhouse, out of my depth, but he said, the hacking, talking about the hacking mindset, not the kind of hacking as in like, ooh, we're stealing your identity, but the hacking mindset shared by both lockpicking enthusiasts and computer security people, which is there's a big difference between how something was intended to be used and how something can be used. He said that, mm. and I have to say, uh, exploding head emoji, because I was like, oh my God, that really is it. What are all the problems that you run into with things? Is like, I mean, in, in like in computer stuff, right? Get my back on this. Like, I, if you did this the way that it was intended to be used, you wouldn't have a problem. The thing is, what we didn't think about, didn't realize, didn't protect against was that just because we think it will be used this way doesn't mean it can't be used in other ways. Right. And I guess that could go for things like an, like a buffer overrun or a, a man in the middle or any of that kind of stuff. But isn't that kind of part of it is like the, we, this, this, like, for example, the, he shows one lock in this talk that's, it's, it's so great. It's got a little, like, um, like a little hole for keeping the lid on this lock. Uh -huh. Oh, and so you, like, he, doesn't he put something through it? And that's actually the way you oh, can. Oh, you've seen this. Yes, this, yes, this yes, is one, you, the, one of the few ones I've seen. Yeah. And so they, the thing is, uh, I'm making this incredibly smart point very poorly, but think of it this way. So you got a lock that's got like, um, um, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a lock box, but it's got a, it's got a lid on a hinge. And then when you close the lid on the hinge, the little foot like goes into this hole. So you have this nice tidy looking lock. So whatever the spec for that or the, the plan was, Hey, we're going to have this very, really cool luxe looking lock that'll let you have this nice lid on it and it works fine. But that hole is supposed to hold the latch, but that's not what you can use it for. <laughs> as you just described, what you can use it for is just basically sticking a, a piece of stiff wire in there and immediately opening it up right. by pressing. And, and like, but you, I, I, that was so interesting to me because it also gets to the whole, if you look at it in a less dark way, it's the basic idea behind creativity. What is creativity? Well, I mean, there's a lot of ideas about what creativity is, but one notion of creativity, I think, is that, I mean, I don't know. One model that's always attracted me is this Arthur Kessler act of creativity idea of like two matrices colliding. But like, think about a joke. Like, what is a joke? A joke is where it could be a pun. It could be, you know, like a, a shaggy dog. There's different ways a joke is funny, but the way a joke almost always works, excluding some anti-humor, is that there's something unexpected that just happened. What you expected to happen didn't happen. And so a joke is a way 
a joke is a is part of the hacking mindset in some ways, right? If you're if you're able to make somebody laugh, it's mm. because you were able to recontextualize something in a way it wasn't intended to be used. Um, when on Bob's Burgers, just off the dome, uh, the wonderful Super Super Bowl Super Bowl episode, um, you know, come meet our family, come let us meet you. And, and meat is spelled M-E-A-T. That's a really dumb joke, but it's funny because meat and meat, unless you're John Syracuse, probably sound exactly the same. And it, it's a dumb pun, but that's kind of funny because you were able to use something in the wrong way. The word meat is not intended to be used that way, but I know I'm over explaining this, but that, that hacking mindset thing was really cool to me. So, uh, you might enjoy this. It's at the Utah Valley Convention Center. And, uh, and, uh, and it's, he, uh, he does, he does one demo that didn't work out, but I mean, that's, you know, par for the course, but it's, uh, anyway, I would recommend it. It's called, uh, Lock Picking Lawyers Keynote at St. Con. It's kind of hard to say St. Con 2021. Hmm. I like videos. I, I like his videos. I like, I like videos where people just look like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I like people where it feels natural. You know, yeah. I know that's a very contrived format or contrived. He's found success with a format that works for him. But I mean, you know, Seth Rudetsky, Kenji Lopez Alt, probably some women. I like I like videos where like somebody isn't going to edit it within an inch of its life, you know, and it breathes a little bit. So even though his videos are in some cases like two minutes long. If you took out the part where he says the same thing each each video, I mean the actual video would be like thirty seconds in some cases. <laughs> okay, folks. Uh, so that was weird, but that's a recommendation. It's a good one. Do you have anything you like on YouTube right now? Anything you're excited about? Mm. Have you found any new uh, rabbit holes, as you say? Not. I, I, not I watch a lot of YouTube, so yeah. That I, I would I would want to share them, like um, Minecraft things, or no? I hen hentai? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, um, you know, my, the weird, I'm, and that's where you get a woman to dress like a lizard. Is that what that is? So, you know that I'm very, I mean, I would put myself into the category of a, uh, a you're going to be shocked when I tell you this Okay. of a, uh, skeptic when it comes to things like, uh, conspiracy theories, alien abduction, UFOs, all of that stuff. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time you're not, you're not that, skeptical. that I am skeptical, <laughs> I also desperately want to believe. So it's mm -hmm. this, it's this kind of mixture of like, please let there be UFOs, but also where's yeah. the freaking proof. So I watch a lot of this stuff and I listen to a lot of these people. And the problem is, Whenever I listen to these things, the people who are talking about it, anytime you get someone talking about it, they're zealots. They're hardcore into it. They're way too into it. They they don't just believe it. They're like they, they, 100%. They almost, right, right. Which, which if, if you, let's say you're open to hearing about this, it's like probably like me or maybe like probably like Anthony Fauci with my God, please get vaccinated. Like how many times can you say this thing that you believe in your bones that doesn't make it persuasive, unfortunately. Yes. And if you're somebody who's like a, what I would call, I think professionally a nut, if you're a nut and you're screaming about seven meats, three cheeses, they steal your thoughts through the phone company kind of stuff. You know, Bill Gates puts nanobots in, in I don't know how he would get to where the vaccine is. Well, but he's, anyway. he's in the labs. He's injecting it himself. Is is it, are we sure it's him? Yes. Well, it's one of his his uh, life model decoys. He might, he might, oh, he's an LMD. I was thinking he might be a a, 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 a hentai monster. <laughs> is that what it's called? Where you dress like um, the tentacle so, thing? 
I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's ten- tentacles. It's a rabbit hole of tentacles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's complicated stuff for sure. Uh, but do you find some that you think are not nutty? Do you have channels where you're like, you find, find it sort of, sort of credulous? No. Credulous. I think I use that word wrong a lot. Do you, credible, credible? Do you find ones or do you just, you don't watch just the wackadoo? No, I watch like, everything. I watch everything. Oh, have you ever seen the one about how, how, um, how, um, what are they called? Uh, chemtrails cause Morgellons. You ever seen that one? Yes. Morgellons? How do you say it? I don't know how to say that word, but those are the little things that come out of your skin and stuff like that. Supposedly, yeah. Joni Mitchell thinks she has it. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, I mean, I don't so know. You know, like that. That's interesting to me. All that stuff is interesting to me. I'm, I'm weird because I'm not afraid to listen to something that I disagree with. I'm not afraid oh, to listen okay. to ideas that I think are wrong. I will. I I like hearing mm. multiple perspectives. I don't have any aversion when someone says something that I disagree with and don't like. My first reaction is not to push it away. It's to it's to become inquisitive and find out mm-hmm. why they think that. And you know, this is an interesting sort of that's a, healthy. That's a healthy kind of curiosity uh, to a point. Yeah, to a point. Uh, but you know, I find that I am not influenced very easily. And that's what allows mm. me to do this. I'm, I am, when, when I find, I often find people who are the, that's, you know, I'm not talking about the alien stuff. I'm saying in, in general, including the alien stuff, but in general, there's a lot of times where people will say, yeah, I don't, I can't even listen to that. I got to shut that off. I got to turn it. People like that shouldn't even be able to express their thoughts. And I'm not talking about stuff that's clearly false. I'm talking about speculative stuff. Like, like I'm talking interest- about Joe, Joe Rogan. I'm not talking about Joe Rogan. I'm talking about like, you know, crazy Bigfoot stuff. I think he, I think he very stuff. much, yeah, but I think Joe Rogan, uh, I, I, does he talk about big feet? Well, I don't know, but you know what they say, big feet, big podcaster, but like I, um, I'm very much the kind of person you're describing and I'll own that, which is like, I only have so many hours in a day and I, I, I'm not going to relitigate the flat earth or, or Bigfoot or, uh, Stanley Kubrick's moon landing or stuff like that. And I don't, I don't want to necessarily, I'm not saying I'm still not trying to drag people who are interested in that because let's remember that a very few years ago, conspiracy theories, at least from a political standpoint, were very much uh, in the wheelhouse of uh, progressives, Democrats, and the left. Right. Right. It's it's only fairly recently that the 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 the, the, the serious nuts have really uh, you know found their nut. Um, and, and interestingly, the, that stuff is not even a little bit interesting to me. I'd rather talk about the chemtrails and the morgelons and the, you know, yeah. cryptozoology and the, the, the creature that someone saw as they were driving through the woods. Like that's interesting to me, but yeah. you know, like no, no, uh, crypto, the pizza thing was is, not. No, cryptozoology is bad for the environment though. Um, you know, so do you know how much it takes to mine a, a, a bit foot? Mm, I might have just put a hat on a hat. I think pretty That's not, yeah. hard. But isn't that how Joe Rogan presents himself? And I, I have will just that maybe only I've never heard I, or seen one or two episodes of of the Joe Rogan show. I don't know it very well. It's mm. not. Well, so my understanding, he presents himself as like he's just asking the question, guy. I'm, I'm just, just asking I'm just question. asking the question like that, like right. that kind of like. Yeah, don't yeah, look yeah, at me. Know, don't point a finger at me. I'm just asking a question. No, no, no. I, I, I am, I am not, I am not saying that Jews run the media. But I mean, can I not oh, ask that like question? That. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's just, I'm just asking the question. Yeah. You know, and then pretty soon you're looking for a basement at, at a pizza place in Washington. There's no basement. Right. There's no basement at the Alamo. I did know that. I've been to the Alamo. Mm-hmm. All my friends had big butts, Simone. 
You know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure is a very good movie. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great film. It's a work There's of no art. basement at the Alamo. It's a masterwork. The great Jan Hooks. Oh my God. Um, what's the guy? What's his name? Francis. Is that the, the kid with the bike? The one steals that steals his bike. his bike. Francis. Is there something you'd like to share with the rest of us, Amazing Larry? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he looks at the camera. Yeah. Uh, and then that reminded me of another thing. Oh, I don't even know if I should include this, but. I don't know. This seems like something you might enjoy or our listeners might enjoy. I, I, I like, I can like almost anything if I don't think about it too much. If I think about this guy's videos too much, uh, I shouldn't because he's, this guy is very entertaining, but he does that thing where he's obviously spent days, weeks, months putting this video together, but still he has curses that he has to bleep and wants to bleep. Yeah. And he has bits. Like he has a one bit is like don't get demonetized, and that's kind of a funny bit. Um, but he did a pretty amusing video. I think pretty well done. I'm damning this with faint praise, and I apologize for that. But it's basically uh, entertainment media, uh, entertainment created by cults, and it's pretty fun. It's it's one you know it's in that genre of like oh let's grab a bunch of people from other people's YouTube and like compile it. But he is funny. He's a funny writer. He's a funny presenter, and I will find it here. Um, but he goes through stuff like some banana stuff I've never seen. Obviously he talks about, you know, battlefield earth, uh, but like, but stuff like these, like the, the Raelians, remember the Raelians, they were kind of big in the, like the eighties, the UFO cult. Yes. The Raelians, they were the ones that this was like going back to the seventies and they sort of co-opted the star of David as their, uh, as their thing and started to, like a religious movement and um, they had they had the International Raelian Movement or what you would call the IRM. Yeah. Yes, I remember the yeah. IRM very, very IRM, well. This, I was IRM. just reading about this like a week ago. Um, but they thought that in... the Elohim were going to come down from outer space. I think which, that's right. Yes, yep. and they they were in the past, you see, Merlin, the Elohim were, they were thought of as like deities. They were, they El- were. Wait, Elohim is a, that's kind of angel, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But like, according there's like to- a, There's like three kinds of angels, right? The three angels you meet in heaven. That's not even funny. It's not even a joke. Elohim. Yeah. And it was like, this is before Mar- Marshall Applewhite, mind you. Although Marshall Applewhite oh. is also in this. Yes. But they basically were like breeding with humans and all of the the uh, the people that were born- or were the ones that became our prophets in humanity. So you got Jesus, Muhammad, uh, the Buddha, like all of these people are actually like halvesies. They're part Raelian, part human. Oh, interesting. And then um, just like in the HBO show Carnival, um, Mm -hmm. when the, uh, the bombing of Hiroshima happened, that was like the beginning of the end times, uh, according to what these guys believe. And they and that like entered in the the end oh, times, interesting. and we were heading toward nuclear. I, think it was, I feel like it was the two thousand election, but I but I, I think they're meaning <laughs> they weren't around. Are these guys still around? I'm not sure. It's in notes, and it is by a, a guy with who's funny with bits. Uh, he's called Paper Will, uh, and he has a little icon of paper that's him, and he has, has cute little cartoon faces he makes on the paper. Paper Will, and it's called Entertainment Made by Cults. Uh, it's an hour long, and it's good, and it's entertaining. Um, boy, Dan, we might need to do a deep dive on this stuff. I have a lot to learn. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and that's different from Israelis. Not the same. 
Those are more like art rallies. They just right? co-opt a lot of the like n- biblical names and concepts and use the Star of David, but well, that's fine. Uh, Mustafa Ibrahim, Mustafa Ibrahim. No, no, I didn't mean to be sacrilegious. I was just doing a Freddie, Freddie Mercury bit. I'm sorry if that was, oh, if that was offensive to Muslim people, I apologize. I was just riffing on some Freddie Mercury singing. I love that guy. God, he's the he's the ultimate rock star. You he know, really and uh, here's another thing. You asked about stuff. I found this on, uh, this is a little rabbit hole that I went down. I, I was watching YouTube videos about how subtle they can use the, um, you know, the the voice changer where they they do what's the auto tune auto tune, how they yeah. use auto tune very very subtly in almost all modern recordings. And this yeah. guy was this producer. He's like an independent producer, and he was breaking down some of the more modern artists. And he, he, he had this kind of cool application where you would put an audio track in it, like a voice track, and it would show you how close it was to hitting certain notes. And so he went back and said, I'm going to go back to Freddie Mercury, who is known <laughs> as having one of the most amazing uh, voices. I, I, Adam, Adam Neely did this too. And, and it's could really, really funny. Hit, yes. Like really hit perfect notes un, in like an uh, unbelievable way. And of course, back then there was no auto tune. And then they were comparing it to how modern people who clearly cannot sing it. Like, I think they had Michael Buble on there as an example. And he's like, he Buble was hitting the notes perfectly every single time. And right. it was like, that's not possible. Look at Freddie Mercury, whose voice is clearly better. But as Adam Neely shows, and I think you should watch this, Dan, because of the video by the great Adam Neely, whom I really enjoy. He's my favorite music guy on YouTube. Uh, this one's called Fixing Led Zeppelin with Autotune. And he's having fun with it. But he does that. He goes through and he shows you. But he, he, with Dylan, it's kind of not as good if, if you have him in tune. And really? Led Zeppelin. <laughs> well, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's not quite the, I think he put, is it uh, Blown in the Wind, I want to say, but I'll put this in the show notes, Fixing Led Zeppelin with Autotune. So wait, now, your dude or dudette, is that person taking off Autotune to see no, what- No, he's leaving it on and he's sort of putting it on like a graph that shows you how- yeah. Uh, how off it is. It, Let it, me show you a screen grab is. of this so you can see, like, here's, this is- um. This includes, where are you? You're up here somewhere. This includes a bit of the interface Adam Neely uses, but so you're seeing here where it says the word tuned. And then it's like, um, it's, it's, the, so each, each one of those lines is, it's not a staff of music, but each one of those is a note. And each, so this is actually a, a graph depicting several things like volume, pitch, vibrato, all that kind of stuff. I thought it was really interesting. It's it's fun gimmicky stuff. Put it, yeah, put that in the show notes. I just put the one I was sure talking will. about into show notes and I sent you a little screen cap of it so you can see what I'm talking about with the graphs and how- Oh yeah, you, that's similar, yeah. I see. So cool. Oh wow, huh. Um, the other thing I want to mention, um, we'll probably talk about this on Rectus soon, but on Syracuse's very kind of light, gentle recommendation, I started watching Dairy Girls. Uh, D-E-R-R-Y. Oh, yeah, London sure. Dairy. Yeah. Dairy Girls on Netflix, uh, strong recommend to folks there. You kind of, I would turn on subtitles and like just be prepared for what, what it is. It's really, really quite good and charming. And um, the whole cast. It's one of the shows, Dan, where like from episode one, like from the first scene, you can't really even appreciate how richly formed, sort of like, I guess, what we do in the shadows a little bit. But mm. like from the from the jump, like these characters are all so fully realized. You can instantly identify, you know, you, you're meeting like 
10 people, like these five girls and their families and, and like you, oh, five girls plus James. But, uh, you, anyway, uh, Dairy Girls, uh, I'm catching up now. I've been hearing about it for a while and I'm finally watching it. And now the whole family's obsessed with it. That's good, fun viewing. I don't know if it's family viewing. Uh, there's some dog urine in it, but it's, uh, it's really good. That's all I have to say about that. Do you have a second thing that you I got that you two like? more two more lined up for you? This let's one. Let's start with. Let's do one first. You know, bespoke it's like they say, post you, Merlin. Put, you put one foot in front of the other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Bespoke post. Bespoke post. They've bespoke done again. Post. They've done again this winter. They they come they're out again. with these these cool things, and this this is the big winter update. They've got an all new line of what they they call their essential box of awesome. So this is collections. It's it's for guys. I mean, that's that's how they build it. It's for guys. It's guaranteed, they say, to upgrade your life. And this is the thing. You can get these showcase pieces in here. They got so much stuff every month. It's coming to you. So let me give you some examples, okay? They've got a new URL for us. Is that true? You're kidding me. It's boxofawesome.com now. Hmm. Boxofawesome.com. So you go there and you're going to- uh, I've gotten stuff from these folks. I've got a uh, a carving knife and a carving knife fork. And the knife is, uh, is I mean, they're both terrific. It's like one of the sharpest knives I've ever used. I but use if that you, knife all the time. The big ass long fork yes. with the two tines? I love that thing. Only one of them's tine daily. The other one's just for just for me. <laughs> but they me give you me. so much cool stuff. Mm. One month it might be, or one one time it might be like a um like a like a cool like shaving kit, like with the dop kit with all the stuff that you need in it. Then they might send you some kind of amazing like really cool like hunting knife or some like really awesome fountain pen or a cast iron skillet. Like there's so many different things that they've got. I also have. I'm not like a big drinker, Merlin, but they sent me these amazing. I guess they're for whiskey or something like people drink whiskey nowadays. <laughs> and they're like these little glasses that sort of sit at an angle and the bottom is like pointed ah. and they kind of ro like rotate around like that. Like it's really cool. Mm -hmm. And they give you this special decanter that came with it. It's just really, really cool. The stuff that they have over there. And, uh, and, and so again, the, the URL that they're giving us now is box of awesome.com. And when you're there checking out all this stuff, Use the promo code back to work. You're going to get 20% off your first box. But before you do that, they have this really cool quiz there. And the quiz, this is just a few questions, but they're cool questions. Like it makes you think. And those answers, it helps them pick the right box of awesome for you. Now, it's coincidental that you and I both got like the knife and the, the tines thing. But we must have answered some of the questions the same because that's what we got. But what's really cool is you get a new box every month. And if you want to skip a month, you can skip a month. You want to cancel, you cancel. It's no big deal. And each box costs only 45 bucks, but it has more than $70 worth of gear inside. And if you use that promo code back to work at boxofawesome.com, you'll get 20% off your first box. Wow, that's Very pretty nice good. Deal. That's pretty good. 20% is a lot of percent. It really is good. And so go check that out. Thanks very much. The Bespoke Post, boxofawesome.com for making this show possible. Back to work, 20% off first box. Go do it. Thanks for my fork. Buck, buck. Do you eat uh, with the fork ever? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I do. I do. I like, um, if, if I'm feeling like a, like, a, like a fancy duchess, I'll get my opera glasses and my long-ass fork, and I'll sit around, and um, it does, the food doesn't matter to me. I just want to look cool. So did big, he big just, just auto-tune just Robert Plant's voice in those songs? I don't, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think so. 
I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I don't understand. I mean, in some cases, when you hear things about isolated tracks, which I know we've both been obsessed with. Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes, occasionally, like if you're like a big shot like Rick Beato, you can get like access to the actual tracks. But I think, I, I think it's a better version of the technology we used to see in the back of Rolling Stone about remove the, um, Remove the vocals from uh, your records. Mm-hmm. Like I think most, I think most of the time for for historically, it's been just a pretty blunt force attack with EQ. Yeah, I think you're right. But, but I don't know how people do it. But like, oh god, I live for those. I could listen to Paul's bassline on uh, while my guitar gently weeps all day. <laughs> when you did that bit, I may need to watch this two minute video with you when we're done recording. Um, when you said the thing about, wow, oh, not a big drinker. What is this glass for whiskey? What? what I've is never this? seen one like this. I haven't drank whiskey in a decade. Then we need to watch a video together. You, you can all find it in show notes. Dan and I will watch it afterwards. Uh, it's called. It's from the, a wonderful program called That Mitchell and Web Look, uh, a bit called Corner Shop that I would like you all to watch. I have a couple other little things. Uh, uh, they're not very interesting. I'm going to skip over task paper this week. Um, y'all make sure you get, I'm giving you some extra time. I have prepared, if you want to do task paper, I know you don't. I could do task paper now, but I'm thinking I could hold off on that. I have already prepared my hot tips and tricks for 2022. 2022 best of. Nice. Um, I think you hold off on the task paper because I think yeah. that becomes a standalone thing because that, that is going to go viral and we want people oh, to absolutely. be able to just hit we, that. We and build have the up whole the structure. Episode. We're, yeah, we're gonna have to redeploy our um, our, our repo and mm-hmm. probably spin up some new DNSs mm-hmm. for scale. Speaking of which, you know, I still like Tower, so I'm, I got I'm learning how to use Git. I wanted to say, uh, really, mostly to say, hey, thank you to everybody who's been sending me stuff about Git. A, a lot of which arrived over the weekend and. If I'm being honest, I didn't look at it because I didn't want to do a tech thing or think about a tech thing or collect the links for a tech thing over mm. the weekend. But now that I'm back in it, uh, Tuesday, January 11th, I'm putting it all back together. Um, I still find the whole Git thing. I, if one more person tells me it's actually really easy, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind because I know it's actually really easy to you, but I have a list of just just vocabulary terms I need to understand. And don't explain it to me, please. I don't, I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll get I to this. I didn't even try. Not you, not you, you know, uh, keep it between y'all and Paul, as Roderick likes to say. And I, uh, uh, origin headmaster, okay, the origin headmaster ritual, please capture that. Um, uh, it's a, a, I'm having fun with the the name of a Smith song, origin headmaster ritual, please. Okay, um. Yeah, but like I got to learn what all this stuff means, and and everybody is very quick. This is this is the kind of thing that makes you not want to be friends with with certain people. They go, no, but actually, no, no, no. It's actually, 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 branch origin headmaster working copy stashes stage and unstage. I mean, I know rough. I know stage and unstage. I've had used staging servers since Christ was a corporal. But like, there's just so much of this stuff. I'm gonna tell you what I did. This is uh, at the behest of uh, at least two good pals of mine who are smarter than me on a Slack, and they're good at this stuff they're developers and both of them said the same thing actually i think marco might have said this too i don't use any other things i use vs code and and the github desktop app that the github desktop app i I bought tower i spent 100 bucks for a year of tower which is cool and i like the product but boy there's a lot to click 
and there's a lot of like having to mouse over to see what something does. I feel like so far the GitHub desktop app might be the easiest way. Now, for you like command line for for your little bit. You know, there's right? there's three or four Git commands that I type, and that's all I've I've needed in the last fifteen years. Like I said last week, I think it's the Photoshop problem again. You know, how do you learn that this command is going to be used two orders of magnitude more often than this other command? It's a little bit of not Dunning Kruger, but expertise, basic expertise problem where you don't know enough to know what you don't know. And once you have a context for understanding how something works, I have a feeling that in the next week, the difference between branch origin and master and head and master, all those are not going to be as confusing to me. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm literally suffering a great deal of pain right now because I desperately want to explain all of this in about two sentences. Okay, that's fine. Um, here, oh, here, let me just say where I am with this. Where I am with this yeah. is I've got a handful of text files in a folder. It is, it's associated with, you know, the repos on, on GitHub mm-hmm. re- repositories. I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to turn into that guy. Um, I've got, <laughs> we say so repo all the time. But for, you know, there are things where obviously I'm going to grab other people's stuff. But in this, the whole reason I'm trying to learn this jazz is for this wisdom project thing that I'm doing. Yeah. And all I really need to do, I just, I didn't want to keep putting it into a gist. Also, I really don't want comments from people. Oh, no, don't put it in a gist. You're doing it the right way. I uh, had been on it just this whole time because that's the easiest way. You copy paste, I'm done. Oh, right? this is so much easier than what you're doing now. Well, and apparently, according to a couple of listeners on of Rectifs, every gist is also technically a repo. Yeah. Although I haven't looked into that. Yeah. I, I, I had the weekend off. You know, I'm not going. I'm not going to learn Git over a weekend. Uh, one of the things that can well, you can we can get jumping anywhere. I'm just finding I'm finding the desktop app very simple and easy to get compared to these other things because I don't think I need the all those levers and knobs. But those do you want to tell me about a branch? Are, 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 yes, I'll tell you about that because the, the stuff that you're looking at this is for like Git power users, people who this are is for working, people who are like contributing to Firefox, right? Yeah, like people who are working on a, a very big project with dozens or more developers all working concurrently. <laughs> all I want is save and right. save. So ass. let me explain That's this. Really all I want. Let me explain this in the most basic way possible. Yeah. So, and and I'm sure there's people who are like, what is Git and what's version control? Anyway, basically what Git is one kind of versioning control software systems that basically you you can even do this with just one file. And let's start simply and say you have one text document and that's it. You don't even have other things. All you got is like readme.md or readme.txt. Exactly. So what what you're doing with Git and people often associate Git with GitHub or GitLab. Those are just two companies that provide hosting for your Git repositories. They are not in control. And also, apparently, of Git. I, I, I uh, while back, apparently, I don't remember doing this. I installed Git on my Synology. You can, you can get yes. it where you want it. That's right. You don't. You can, you can use Git hosting on your own infrastructure. You can use GitHub, like many most people do. But basically, what this allows you to do is you're adding files, and it might just be your one text file to something called a repository, which is a place where these files are going to be stored. And what Git and other version control systems, but Git's the best one. We'll just talk about Git. Mm-hmm. The reason that people use it is they want to collaborate with others and or track changes to the stuff that they're working on. So here's a typical Git scenario in a small software development company. You have three developers. One person specializes in the user interface. One person's doing a lot of the back end code. And let's say there's a third person who does a little bit of both. 
and you're working on a project, you're working on a deadline, and there's a handful of HTML files, JavaScript files, maybe there's some SQL stuff, Ruby stuff, and there's, there's these different files. They just live in a folder, in a directory. And when you go and make changes, you want to get those changes out to the other people on the team. So you're sitting there, you're doing your HTML. Oh, it looks really good. You're going to add that. You're going to commit your changes with a little note that says what you did. And you're going to push those changes up to the repository. Then those other people, you're going to, they, maybe they have an alert. Maybe you just tell them in Slack. Maybe you email them. Maybe they're sitting in the same room. You say, yo, I just pushed those updates. And they're like, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. I want to see what you did. And then they do something called a pull where they're now pulling down from that repository and those changes to the files, or maybe there's even new files. Maybe you've deleted files. Those changes happen on their computers too. And now they're seeing the stuff that you did. Meanwhile, the guy that's writing the SQL code and the lady that's over there doing the, you know, the, the Ruby stuff, they push their stuff and then you do the pull and you see their stuff. But what happens when you've edited the same file that I edited? Well, then mm -hmm. that could be a big problem, except Git knows how to handle that. It takes the changes that you made and the changes that they made and merges them together so that they are now merged and they are now one file. Once in a while, there are conflicts. They're called merge conflicts. And a human like, being and has like, to As intervene. long as you start out, the problem, the thing was screwing me up. I don't mean to interrupt, but just quickly, the thing that was screwing me up was my first thing, of course, always, I've got a hello world this and understand it. Like, yes. I make an update to this document here. I make an update to that document there. I think in my, my problem was I had not started with a pull to keep every, I hadn't started with an up-to-date locally. Mm. That's when it got really confused about, hey, no, hang on. Kimisaba, you got to pick one of these. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you got to go in and, and in this case with VS Code, go go view this merge and click on which one you want to accept. Right, and, and right? VS Code does make it easier than than most other editors to do that. Sure kind did. Of thing. Yeah. Point and click operation. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really, really impressive how they've handled that, and that's one of the reasons I'm just loving it. But if you're just one person and you're writing code or you're writing a, a wisdom document or whatever it is that you're doing, <laughs> you've got this here on your machine, and so what you're going to do is you're going to say, okay, cool, I have something to add to one of these documents. So you go in, you make the changes, you save it. Then again, you do a git add, a git commit saying, I added notes about this and then a git push. And now it's up on that repository. And what's really nice about this is it, even if it's just you, it's now up mm -hmm. there on that repository. It's safe. If your computer locally dies and explodes, no big deal. But what's also really nice about this is if you're like me, I have a laptop and a desktop computer. I commit my code and push it up to the repository. When I go to the other computer later, I just do a pull and boom, it's exactly where I left it. Everything is and exactly At least with there. Tower, if I understand correctly, and I probably don't, with Tower, it defaults to a, a bit flip that says, do you want to, what is like an update, pull update every 30 minutes or something? Oh, it does so it automatically you can, for you? Yeah, I mean, like, it seems like that seems really smart. I want that, I would like that to be like what I would call Dropbox. Mm. I would love a thing where if I've made changes here and I did the the right mojo to push it up to GitHub, I would I would like it to automatically be updated everywhere. I'm sure there is, is that, ways is to that do that. Is that a normal thing to want? I mean, yeah. usually people are pulling, uh, pushing and pulling the code when they want, when they're ready to do it. Um, but let me explain what a branch is. Yes. So, by default in Git, there is a main branch. It used to be called the master branch until that became politically incorrect. So it's now called the main branch. But there mm -hmm. is a main branch. 
And that's normally, if you're just, especially if it's just you, one person, you can work in the main branch. If you're not like deploying code to servers, you can work in the main branch. But what most people do is, let's say that they want to build a feature, right? Or they want to do something where the code will in some way diverge and they want to keep that from polluting that main branch of code. I mean, isn't it, is, is this an example? It feels like an example of, okay, like, and you, I might be using the wrong words, but you've got, let's say, for example, you have a, like a Mac product where you've got, like with LaunchBar, for example, I could say it has a little pull down. Do you want to get, you know, beta updates to this? Like that's pretty common in a lot of apps. Descript does this. Yes. Do you want to get beta or do you want to be on the main well, I guess what I would call production branch, but I'm probably using all these no, words wrong. No, that's correct. You're but right. the idea is you've got your whole big, your, your chunk of funk working over here, mm-hmm. all the stuff that makes the app go, and we want to keep that running for people in a production environment. We want this to like be the solid version we've got. But then you've got this other one you're working on that I guess you could call a beta. I guess that's probably a little bit of pollution here. But the point being... It's one thing to say, like, we've got the main thing over here. Don't screw with that. We've got the one we're working on over here. That's separate from that. But then can't you also have, like, if you make improvements on that beta part that you want to fold in with the production part, like you fixed an old bug, that's part of the beauty of this too, right? Is is that what what we mean? Yes. Kind of what we mean by branches? It's exactly what you mean. So basically, if you're thinking of a tree, you have the different branches of the tree. So you would have the main, in this case, you would have the main branch in a GitHub repository, especially if you're talking about, like, oh, we use Fireside as an example. The main Mm -hmm. branch is what is deployed and what people who are Fireside customers, that's what they're using. They are using the main branch. That's what's deployed to the servers. But now I want to go and add a new feature. So let's say I want to add a feature that let that publishes to it converts your podcast to a YouTube video and publishes it to YouTube, let's say. And that is a branch that is actually active right now in Fireside. So what I would do is I'm going to do all of the code for that new feature. I'm going to call it the YouTube publishing branch, just YouTube publishing. And that's the name of the branch. So when I want to go and work on that feature, I don't, what, what if while I'm working, what if it takes me two weeks to write that feature? But in the meantime, there's five mm-hmm. bugs that I had to fix. I would switch my branch back over to the main branch by doing git space branch space main enter. Now I'm back in the main branch so I can okay. fix my bugs. I can deploy that code. Meanwhile, over there, that YouTube branch is just fine. It's just sitting over there untouched. I can fix these problems and push them up to the servers, and I'm not getting half-baked, half-working, partially broken code that's living over there in that YouTube branch because I'm not done with that thing. So that's not getting deployed, just that clean main branch with its bug fixes. Then I go back over to the YouTube branch, and I can merge those changes from the main branch back into my YouTube branch when I'm ready to do that. Or I can wait to do that until the YouTube branch is fully functional and working perfectly. And then I can just merge that branch back into the main branch and deploy that. And that's typically the way that it works. You say, I'm going to work on a feature or I'm going to fix a bug or I'm going to do something different. I'll make a branch for that. I'll do all my work within that branch. When I'm pleased with it, I will merge it back into main and release it or deploy it. And that's okay. basically the reason that you do a branch. You would never do a branch if you're, if, for example, if you wanted to completely restructure your wisdom document, like you're going to rip the whole thing apart. <laughs> Sounds and, silly when other people say Well, it. you're going to do that, right? And you're ready to tear right. this thing apart. You're going to restructure. Yeah, like there's going to be a point where I need to add more. I mean, a lot of this is going to be, the way to look at this is that it's basically like a, 
a CSV almost. Mm -hmm. Like this needs to feed into something that's almost like a database mm -hmm. uh, eventually. But let's say I'm even tentatively like, I don't want to screw up the version that people are reading and theoretically enjoying online. But I do want to start monkeying around with the idea uh, of like putting serial number like IDs. Right. So you can these. do anything you want in that branch. You can put serial IDs in it. You can rip the thing apart. You can restructure. You can delete paragraphs, whatever you want to do. And then anything that you've done in that branch is completely separate from the main branch. It's it's almost like doing, <sighs> it's almost like, let's say you're in Photoshop and you've been working on something for a week and you do a file, save a copy as. Oh, you change it to final, final three. <laughs> That's right. That's basically <laughs> what you're doing is, but you're not just making a, a copy of one file. You're making a copy, a clone of that file with all of the history of all of the changes that you've I ever see. made. And that's the beauty of Git is it's not, or version control in general, is it's not just saving the latest version. It's every single change that happened from day zero until now. And if you do that in a branch, when you merge that back in, those changes get put into place sequentially and you have this long, long history of all of the changes that you made. So if you ever need to go back a day ago, a week ago, a year ago, you can go back mm -hmm. to exactly that point in how one individual file looked or how everything looked. And if you're using it on GitHub or GitLab, you can do that visually as well. You can actually browse your own code. You can see your own changes. And one of the really nice things that GitHub has, and I haven't experimented with this with GitLab, I'm sure it's there. And you can also do this locally and stuff like Tower and whatever, is you can compare those old versions. You can say, wait a minute, I must have broken something or done something wrong in what I'm currently looking at. But a week ago, I know it was fine. You can go back and look at it side by side the way that it was a week ago and compare it to, to the way that it is today and say, oh, that's what I changed. But wait a minute. I didn't change that. Oh, Merlin changed that because it mm -hmm. has a little thing next to it that shows you that that was your code or that was your paragraph or that was your whatever. And so then I can say, oh, they made this change. They didn't realize I was making this other change. So now you can trace it back and that's actually called get blame you can blame someone oh, for the stuff okay. that they did and see it now in your case if it's just you it's always you so get blame isn't very useful oh so it literally well it's unusual because usually in the world of uh, world of uh, unix uh, style systems it, it, nothing ever means what it sounds like it means in <laughs> right. that case like push is pull pull is push right public is private private is public right right you know and, and latex is about formatting which used to really frustrate me <laughs> um Okay, I think I'm going to spend some time with that. But that's basically I, I, I at its simplistic think, yeah. level. I need to get this. The problem is I need to get as much as people like to talk about how simple this is. It's not easy, but I do need to get this in my bones before I start effing around too much. But, but that, I would that, say that, that ignore helps. everything else. The only stuff that you right now need to focus on is adding, committing, and pushing and pulling. And that's really, those are the basic things that you that you do and get constantly. Um, and that's all you really need. Anything beyond that, even, I mean, branches could be useful. Switching between mm -hmm. branches could be helpful. But there's so much more that you can do when it comes to like resetting the head. And I mean, it's like all, and then there's all these like deep concepts of like you were talking about of staging code, of stashing code, of, you know. That's the problem though, is like when you're it. using an app and like this is the kind of thing that makes people roll their eyes, including people like me. Like when other people, like, I'll say this, you know, there's the, when you try to explain something to somebody that you feel is, and again, a distinction I like to make, I made this distinction with Roderick, there's a difference between something being easy and something being simple. Um, 
in my uh, my in my usage, it's that's another costly and expensive type thing for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Like just because, let's put it this way: because something is simple, that does not mean it is easy. And just because something is easy does not mean that it is simple. In fact, there are certain existential truths in life, uh, some of which come from the fat man. But there are certain existential truths in life that are so simple that it can actually be difficult. You know, yes. once you understand that life is a wobbly wheel, that's a pretty simple idea. Uh, you know, j- double check your Duca uh, uh, translation, but like whatever you want to call it, this kind of unease or unsteadiness. Once you learn that that is what life equals equals, mm-hmm. uh, that's a very simple idea, but it does not make life easy. Sometimes the simpler something is, the less easy it becomes. And sometimes something only seems easy because you don't realize because you're, you're treating it as being simpler than it actually is. Life is complicated. Yeah. I just want to make sure I understand what I'm doing here before I start goofing around. And the eye rolling part comes when you say to somebody, well, wait a minute. So, but like, all I want to do is like, whatever changes I just made in a text editor, how do I make that go on the internet part? And it's like, huh. well, you got to, all you have to do is uh, stage your stash. No, and you don't get need that. any of that. You don't need to do it. Well, you do though, because if I start clicking on freaking arrows to do things, then it goes, well, you're now you have a collision. You have to merge with your other one. And what about, do you want to unstage this? Before? How are like, you running ah. into Git conflicts with like a text file? I'm so confused. Are you? Yes. I open it and I make changes on And then you do thing. a git add space dot git commit dash m oh i see it's simple i made a change get see push. i had to learn that's i have it. to learn that that's, i just dan, yeah, no that's it dan if I, I want it to be like dropbox it's, which is what i'm using though. i mean well then you're rolling your eyes at me what i'm trying to say is the problem is that there's always a yes but if this space that space i get all that i need to get that in my bones yes because right now I'm, I'm clicking so many goddamn buttons <laughs> To just get a, a text file into onto the goddamn internet, and it's maddening. What I want to do is what I want is a guarantee. No more attempts on my father's GitHub. <laughs> I, I, what I want to—that's the title right there, Michael. I am the hunted one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, uh, my daughter's whole, most of my daughter's whole context for Don Corleone is the mole in the sing the first sing movie. Oh, I have there's a, a character. Oh, it's a it's a cute movie, and this, the second one's not a good movie, but it's fine. Um, is that uh, is that uh, yeah? He's he goes, oh, what are you, somebody that's disrespecting my the day of my daughter's <laughs> wedding, you know, because he's Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm strong to the finish because Luca brought seats spinach with the fishes. I got nothing. Uh, two things I'll put in notes because it's always two things with me sent by people and uh, lightly vetted by my friends to say these both are pretty good. Uh, one is from friend of the show. I think it's from Frackintosh. I want to say hello, Frackintosh, friend of the show. Um, uh, linking to one thing called Git and GitHub for Poets uh, by someone at the coding train which is a multi-part Git and GitHub for people who are, you know, believe me, I took physics for poets I appreciate something that's for poets. Mm. I like, give it to me in pigs and bunnies. So that's supposed to be pretty good. That's in my tube right now. I haven't gotten to it yet. The other one that looks really interesting, and this was sent by whom? Another friend. Of, I'm so sorry. I can't find anybody's internet names. Um, this is by LJ Miranda. Ooh, that's got a sort to grid problem. LJ Miranda. Anyway, um, someone called LJ Miranda, and this is at github.io. Um, what can Avengers Endgame teach us about Git? 
which I thought was it's it, kind of interesting fun premise. When I first saw Avengers, uh, I mean, there's probably spoilers here, so it's okay. It's not that good. Um, when I first saw Avengers Endgame in theaters, I noticed that their time travel rule is quite similar to the Git branching model, referred to as the time heist. Our heroes traveled through time to recover the stones and undo the effects of the snap, thereby saving all. Um, just a little further down, creating branches and alternate realities. Isn't that vaguely familiar with Git? As it turns out, software developers are doing their own version of time travel in their day jobs. That'll be in uh, show notes. And there's also a spoiler alert here. You know, Very nice. It, it, yeah, probably did it with CSS. Or less, as you call it. Oh. Okay, I'm going to put that in notes. <laughs> I, I, do, I do less because, uh, and I'll mention that, next week or later, mm-hmm. if it suits me, in talking about task paper, which is... Uh, less is the format for test paper style sheets. And then one of the things I'm going to recommend to you bastards is that you not do too much stuff with style sheets, but you do enough stuff with style sheets that it accommodates the way that you work. I have so many good suggestions, tips and tricks. I've been keeping it in a text file. I just need to deploy the stash, uh, to, to my, to my, uh, st- staging push. <sighs> Did you have one more thing that you like, Dan? Well, Merlin, I am here to tell you all about Masterworks. So inflation right now is at a 39-year high, and it's rising, and we've got the volatile stock markets. There has never been a time to rethink our portfolio mix, what we're investing in. One of the smartest investments today that you can make is diversification. Of course, you want to diversify, but how do you do it? Well, guess what? Now, this kind of sounds weird at first, but interesting you can diversify your portfolio with fine art. So according to City, you've heard of City, art significantly outpaced S&P 500 from 1995 to 2020. What does that mean? It means that when the market drops, a well-diversified art portfolio might not. Pretty cool, right? And so the Wall Street Journal even called the art market one of the hottest on earth, not to mention this is stuff the ultra-wealthy have been doing by diversifying their portfolios with artwork for generations. And now, thanks to Masterworks, you can too. They are democratizing. I'm going to give this to them. They can have this. They're democratizing the art market by allowing everyday investors to own a piece of iconic paintings from blue chip artists like Picasso, Warhol, Banksy, all at like an affordable entry point. So while making great art is difficult, now investing in art is easier than ever. And even better, they're giving our listeners priority access to their newest offerings. So here's what you do. You can start building your intelligent portfolio today at masterworks.art slash big week. So one more time, masterworks.art slash big week. Now, there are important disclaimers there at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Anytime you're investing, you owe it to yourself to read about that stuff. But that's it. So go check it out. Masterworks.art slash big week. Go check it out. Support the show. And uh, we really do appreciate it. Thanks very much to Masterworks.art for making this show possible. All right. Um, I'll come back with more uh, uh, tasks. Let's see if I got any. Do I have any good teasers? Probably not. No one needs to be teased about task paper. Uh, it's self-evidently cool. Um, it is in this document called Tips, Tips, Tips. Um, did I have anything else that I can throw in here? T-A-S-K-P-A-P-E-R. Uh, no, I don't want to do that now. Uh, I got uh, branches and was there anything else? I don't think so. Oh yeah. You have to watch the Mitchell and Webb two minute and 30 second video with me. Oh, you know what I did do? Uh, I'll save this for next time as well. Um, a long story short, I got a, I got a a new Google, God, Google, uh, uh, Google nest hub, Google nest. So many now. What size? I think I, 
I got a Max. Oh, how, and I'll is tell it? how you do you why. like it? Well, I got it yesterday. But the, the I, what, one thing I'm, we're trying to do here is, I like I say, I'm kind of I'm sunsetting some of my, um, you know, Washington delivery company devices just for nothing, nothing too nefarious. I'm just I've had it with them. <laughs> Um, but no, the idea here was I went to buy the, the Max because we love the one, as I've said, every time it comes up, um, which shows you, I believe it. Um, we have a uh, Google Nest Hub Gen 1 on, which is the, the smaller than normal size one. We've got one on the table in our hallway and everybody, well, especially my wife and I love it. We love the photos. And I thought the thing is my kid has been wanting, uh, she doesn't, it's odd. She does not want a HomePod in her room. She does not want an Amazon Dingus in her room. She hates voice-controlled things, but she does like the big alarm clock, like like I use. Like where I've got one now. My 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 uh, office Google <laughs> Nest <sighs> so ugly. Um, has that like alarm flip flip clock? I forget the name of those kinds of clocks. You know, what I'm talking about the like the, 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 you can call it a screensaver, but it's mostly a clock until I need it to be something else. Yes. In the same way that my Amazon delivery company device over here is a picture of my daughter until I want it to be something else, or until they want to tell me about an ESPN-sponsored event that I can't turn off. One of the numerous reasons I am sunsetting my Amazon delivery company devices. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Now she can have a a non-camera version, uh, uh, you know, of, of the of the clock thing, and she'll occasionally use it. I made the mistake of telling her that it plays Hulu and YouTube. So we'll see how that goes at night. But, um, and then that gets the, gets the max out. The thing, did you get a Gen 2? I think that's what I have. I'm um, just curious. I keep reading. I, 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 this is just such a morbid curiosity. I have zero need for this, but I may still get yet one more, which is the, again, the generation two version of the regular size one. Cause it does something called sleep sensing. Have you seen this? Oh yeah, where it's supposed to tell if you're moving it based on the time and the, yeah, because it's got radar. It's and... got like it's quote unquote radar. Yeah. It's got room detecting stuff. The Gen two apparently Generation two version of the Google Nest Home <laughs> non Max uh, apparently does some neat things. <laughs> Big pardon. Um, and so, but anyway, oh yeah. So to answer your question, yeah, the Max. It's it's not that expensive. First of all, the regular size ones are so freaking cheap. It's crazy. Yeah, they're like really... 60, 60 bucks for one of these things? With the screen, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, no, yeah, sorry. These are all, all the ones I'm talking about here are the, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I thought, I think hub means Hub screen. means with the screen and then just the, oh, it's the, yeah. the not the dot, but whatever they call it is the separate, just, just speaker one. Right. Right. Which are also good for what they do, but. Um, but yeah, it's like, I'll yeah. notice the one that I have in the kitchen is I'll walk up to it and it will. Yeah change the display and like show the calendar like toward the end of that's the so day. That's so interesting. Like that. I, I cover up all the cameras on our Amazon devices, uh, but it's still, this is the part that I think is especially frustrating. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, if the Pope, if the Pope poops in the woods, is anybody there to hear it? But like, I'll, I'll walk into the room and I'll notice the same thing, which is, it seems like it's like, oh, oh, careful, the boss is here. And let's show it some, show something interesting about sports. <laughs> like, and it's like, command no. tabbing to excel at, to, to block <laughs> no, the porn. I'm doing my work. Yeah, I'm just right. doing my work. I'm collating. <laughs> ah, mom, I'm collating. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyhow, I'll more on that later. But yeah, the big ass screen 
on the Max is pretty cool. Okay, it's called the I Google Nest s- Mini is the smart is the small speaker, and then the Google Nest Hub. Oh, there you uh, go. Those are the ones that we were talking about. That are the big yep, ones. That's the it. I'll come back to those, but you know, it's all the you know the white dad's rotation, like where I, I get a new thing for me, and then I get to be the big hero by going, "Hey, you want something I used to use? <laughs> Have an Apple Watch." Right. Like I, w- I want a new one. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, still at this point, as we sit here today, uh, January 2022, I think pound for pound, Google's probably in the best position with this stuff. I right agree. Now. Oh, totally agree. And, well, I mean, like the, 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 the novelty sized asterisk for all this stuff is to put it bluntly, don't get, and we, we talked about this, I know, but it always bears repeating. There's no way to really say one of these is better than another. That's nuts. Um, that's, I mean, that's like saying, is there a a better bra for men? And you're like, well, maybe, but like, that's really not a thing that most of us are super thinking about a lot. If you're not deeply in, or mostly partly anything, if you're not in the Google ecosystem, not a good choice. If you believe me, brother, if you're not in the Apple ecosystem, oof, you can just skip Siri. Uh, that's okay. Um, and then Amazon, you know, I think Amazon in some ways is becoming a victim of its own success. It's gotten so shallow. It's become very. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know the way you describe like a it's like like a like a pool, a pond. It's it's, pond, it's shallow pond but wide. Pond be good for me um, too. Briar. Um, did you watch a feudal and stupid gesture on Netflix? No. What is that? That's gonna be my last recommendation for the week. Um, it is a um and. I mean, who knows? Netflix basically buys things. It seems silly to say they produced it, but it's a Netflix, you know, original. And it's called A Feudal and Stupid Gesture. And it's about <clears throat> uh, Harvard Lampoon, National Lampoon, and basically Doug Kenny, uh, who was the co-founder of National Lampoon. And uh, it's got a terrific cast. So Doug Kenny, best known to you and me as Stork in Animal House. You know, oh yes, are, yes, yes, yes. Of what course. are we supposed to do, you moron? Right. That guy, and then he leads the band. Uh-huh. That's Doug Kenny, who, along with uh, a nearly unrecognizable Bill Weasley, what's his name? Domhnall Gleeson, Domhnall Gleeson in a wig, la la la. And Doug Kenny play the editors of Harvard Lampoon, which then go on to found National Lampoon. And the cast is so much fun. It's got what's his Matt Walsh, uh, who's the guy from Veep and Upright Citizens Brigade. He plays their publisher. Uh, Natasha Leone is in it. Uh, of course, she's great. Um, oh God, great bit of stunt casting. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to say it. Um, I'm going to let you see for yourself. But if anybody here who's a fan of the show Community will enjoy the person who plays Chevy Chase. Because that person does a very good job with it, and you're going to have a lot of fun when you see it. Uh, yeah, feel stupid gesture. I liked it a lot. I think it's very funny. And oh, Will Forte. Will Forte plays Doug Kenny, and he's great. Little little funny roles like Ed Helms plays Tom Snyder in a very in a very funny way. A feudal and stupid gesture on uh, on uh, on Netflix. I think that's it. Google get push pull. No parking on the dance floor. There you go. Huh. Lock picking. I think that's everything. That's an hour and 27. That's plenty. Mm-hmm. People, got, people got what they need. They did. You, you, you got what they need, even if it's not what they want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Diversify. <laughs> huh. <laughs> okay, let's button this up. I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man. <laughs>